right? And so today we're going to talk about before and after and what life looks like before the cross and after the cross. And before we jump into the message, I want to kind of set it up. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I encourage you to memorize these verses. These are two great verses for your life that you probably need to hide in your heart so the Holy Spirit can use them and that you can remind yourself from time to time and maybe even encourage somebody with it. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead. Notice Paul is pleading with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Not so that you can gain something else, not that you can be a good boy, not that you can gain eternity. You need to give your bodies to Christ because of what he's already done for you. In other words, he's done his part. You need to do yours. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Notice he says the kind that he will find acceptable and not the kind that you will find acceptable because some of us give ourselves just too much credit. Come on. Let's just get real. You in church this morning. Let's get a little bit real. Some of you give yourself too much credit. You think you all that in a bag of chips. And you ain't even got a plate yet. Right? We give ourselves too much credit. That's why he said, and you need to be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, quit acting like the world. Quit doing what the world does. Quit saying what the world says. Quit dressing like the world. Quit looking like the world. You've been set apart. You've been pulled out of that lifestyle. You should be different. There should be something different now that you've met Jesus than there was before. Stop acting like the world. But God, but let God transform you into a new person. Say new person. By changing the way you think. Watch this. God wants to change the way you think. You know why? Because thoughts lead to actions. So you think and then you act. Right? So if you think you're no good, then you're going to act no good. If you think you're all that in a bag of chips, then you're going to act like you're all that in a bag of chips until God pops your bubble. Right? If you think that God's mad at you, you're going to live like you want to because he's already mad. Your thoughts lead your actions. So God's going to renew your mind by changing the way that you think. That's what his word says. He wants to change your mind so that he can then change your actions. Right? Then, only then... Will you learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect? Now watch this. There's a lot of people in Christianity today that aren't submitted to the lordship of Jesus. They haven't given their lives up for Jesus. They're, they're, kinda, they're acting like a Christian. They're participating in Christian activities, but they've never really laid it down. And then, but, but here's, here's how I know, because they go around wondering, well, what's God's will for my life? Watch what he says. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn. Only then will you learn to know God's will for you. And then some people don't want to lay their life down for Christ and submit to his lordship because they're scared that he's not going to give them a good life. He's, you're scared that, that you can do it better. That, that he's going to make you do something that you don't want to do, that it's not going to be good. But watch what Paul says. Paul says, you, you, to know God's will for you, which is what? Good, pleasing, watch this, watch this, perfect. 
Is your will for your life perfect? By the way, how's that working out for you? You and your will. It getting you anywhere? Probably not. Probably stuck in the ditch because you're trying to drive when Jesus needs to drive. Amen? Isn't that good? So that's what Paul is saying to the believers. He's saying that your life needs to be a living sacrifice. It needs to be forever changing. And the Bible, when the Bible says transform, that the Greek word for transform is to metamorpho, which is where we get our word metamorphosis. So your life needs to change in form. There needs to be something different than what there used to be. It's kind of like the caterpillar and the butterfly. Once the butterfly comes out, he can't go back. Are you with me? He was a caterpillar, ugly, scary, sting you, make you mad. Now he's a butterfly. You take pictures, you hang it on the wall. They got coloring books with it. That's what your life should be like. It should be metamorphosing. First service, I just made up all kind of words, and I'm trying not to do that, but y'all know my pattern. I always make up words, but, but metamorphosis talks about transformation And it's changing the way you think. God wants to change the way you think. And watch this. God, transformation doesn't happen overnight. See, we want transformation like we want a value meal from McDonald's. I mean, come on. How fast can you get food today? Seriously, something ain't right with the food if you can get it that fast. Think about it. When I was a kid, French fries never fried that quick. They got some magical grease or something going on that just ain't good for my body. But, but anyway, we want instant gratification. We want instant transformation. But the reality is, is that transformation is a daily process. It's something that, that continues to happen as you stay in a life-giving relationship with Jesus. So watch what happens to Christians today. They hear a message, God's going to transform your life. Oh, wow. I'm going to pray a prayer. Lord, transform my life. And it don't happen. What happens? We get disappointed. Our disappointment turns to frustration. Our frustration turns to anger. And we're walking totally away from God because he didn't do it quick enough. Transformation happens over time. That's why it's called renewing. It's kind of like fishing. Fishing doesn't mean you're catching. It means you're fishing. Renewing means that you're in the process of being renewed. It's going to happen every day. But let me give you this. You set the tempo. You set it. You control, watch this, the gas pedal. How, pastor? The harder you seek after Jesus, the more time you spend with him, the more you get in his presence. And watch this. The more you obey him, Man, the quicker your mind gets renewed, the quicker you begin to grow, the quicker you start to produce fruit. If you're frustrated with your fruit, you can't look at God. You got to look at yourself. Amen. I love you. I love you. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Transformation. Paul is pleading with the believers to be transformed. Our lives after the cross should be different and changing. You know what that means? You shouldn't think the way you used to think when you were before the cross. You shouldn't act the way you used to act. Some of you have been lapping the same mountain for 40 years. And you're trying to figure out how to get off for 40 years. Think about it. If you're fighting the same devils you've been fighting for years, something's not right. 
If you're struggling with the same sin that you've been struggling with for years, something's not right. Don't fool yourself and don't listen to the enemy and say, oh, well, it's getting better. You're not drinking two cases. You're drinking one and three quarters. You're getting better. Don't believe that. Amen. I don't care what you say. You drink two cases of beer, you falling into sin. Because you get it's sin when you get drunk, right? So there you go. I've never drank two cases of beer and I got drunk. I don't know why I said that. So let's look at Peter. Sorry. Let's look at Peter before the cross. I want to show you something because I want you to identify with Peter and his life before the cross. But before we jump into that, I want to qualify something by saying this, that when, when, when Peter and his brothers started following Jesus, they weren't saved. I just want to make this clear. Jesus comes along and the, and, the, and the disciples are fishing and he says, hey, guys, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They were compelled to follow this man called Jesus because there was something about him that just it just it was all struck. They just I mean, honestly, they, they quit their jobs and they took off and they followed after Jesus for three and a half years. They left everything and they followed Jesus daily. They slept under the same clouds. They ate from the same pot. They drank from the same glass. I'm going to stop right there. They, they just had a, they just walked with Jesus and they followed him. But watch this. They weren't even saved. They didn't get saved until later on. They weren't saved. Do you know churches are filled today with people that are following Jesus? Watch this. They're acting like Christians. They're speaking like Christians. They're dressing like Christians. You know, get some pointed shoes, you know, a little shirt with a nice collar and get it just right. And you look like a Christian. Come on. I'm guilty. They, they, they went to Christian activities. They gave 10% on Sunday. Watch this. And they're not even saved. They're they're somehow fooled into believing that if I'll act like a Christian, if I'll speak like a Christian, if I'll show up when Christians show up and I'll do what Christians do, then all of a sudden I'll magically become saved. It's not true. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that unless you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will not be saved. Are you hearing me? They followed Jesus. They did everything that Jesus did, but yet they were not saved. Why am I telling you that? Because some of you are here today. And I just, I just want to help you out. I want to help you go from following after Jesus to being adopted into Jesus' family. I want to get you the rights to go with what you're doing. Is that all right? So the disciples are following Jesus. And what's crazy is that they left everything. They follow him. And it's not till after the cross that they're actually saved. We'll get to that in a little while. So Peter, unsaved, is following after Jesus every day. And he's going about his business with, with Jesus and he's doing things. And let's look at what Peter does. Because Peter, and remember, this is before the cross. And we all have a before the cross. Say that when we say, I got a before the cross. Peter was called by Jesus to come and follow him. And he did. He left everything. He followed Jesus, wasn't even saved. (laughs) Peter follows Jesus for a little over three years before being saved. 
And watch what happens. In Matthew chapter 16, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus calls Peter Satan. It's a crazy story because you see Peter, all of a sudden, Jesus asks his disciples the question. He says, who do people say that I am? And Peter actually gets a revelation from heaven that Jesus is the Messiah. And everybody else said their little thing. And Peter goes, you're the Messiah. He had a revelation. Unsaved. You're the Messiah. And Jesus goes, yes, I'm the Messiah, Peter. You didn't get that on your own wisdom. That came from heaven, Peter. Five or six verses later, Peter gets called Satan. I'm like, what's up with that, Jesus? I mean, he was your buddy. He just called your name. He can't quit his job. He's following you. Did you have to call him Satan? Peter would have been, I would have been Peter, I would have been offended. But what we don't realize is that Peter was trying to talk Jesus out of the cross. And Jesus says, oh, no, Jack, you ain't going to come here around here with that. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Peter was a little rough, eh? <laughs> We're just getting started. Right after that occasion in verse 17, Peter messes up one of the, one of the greatest events in history. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus took some of the disciples and he brought them up on this mountain. And all of a sudden, you got to get this. This really happened. All of a sudden, Elijah appears from the Old Testament. And then right next to him is Moses. Moses appears. And Jesus is standing there with him and they're having a conversation. And the way I see the story play out is the disciples are standing there behind this, this big old stone. And they're looking and they're going. And Peter got to say something. I mean, you got a friend like that? You know somebody like that, that they just can't keep their mouth shut? I mean, they'll mess up a rock fight. Seriously. They, they got to say something. You try to go watch a movie with them. Hey, watch, watch what's getting ready to happen. Shut up. I mean, they're there. Elijah's there. Moses is there. What does Peter do? Hey, Jesus, you want me to put up a tent? I'd have hit him in the back. Up. Come on, man. Then God covered him up. I'd have been going at Peter. He messed it up. Thinking, dang, dude, we was watching the best movie ever. <laughs> you know somebody like that? If you don't, that might be you. <laughs> Just saying. That was chapter 17, chapter 26 of Matthew. Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26, verse, verse 31 to 35. Watch what happens. Jesus predicts that Peter is going to deny him three times before some stupid rooster crows. Watch this. On the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. From the, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. <laughs> but after I have raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Watch this. You got, I'm telling you, you got a friend like this. Peter goes, he declares. So in other words, he didn't whisper. He declared. And you got to see this kind of in a gladiator type of setting. You know the movie Gladiator where he makes the big bold statement? Peter says, watch this, I'm going to do it in my best impression. Peter says, 
Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you, Jesus. He declares it in front of all of his friends. Even if I have to die, I'm not going to see him going. Think about it. You got a friend like that, I'm telling you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Peter led them astray. So watch what happens. They leave there. They go to the garden where Jesus brings Peter and a couple of his buddies who just made their declarations. And they, they go to pray and Jesus says, sit here and watch and pray while I go a little bit further. He comes back, what are they doing? All leaned over on each other, drooling on each other, sleeping. Three times it happened. Then the, then the guards come. And Jesus says, all right, get up. Here's, my time has come. The guards come. Now remember, this is Peter's before. The guards come. One of them grabs Jesus. What does Peter do? Cuts that dude's ear off. Swing! Cuts his ear off. I'm like, really? Like, dude, you were Jesus. And you cut a dude... You think he, Peter had some anger issues? Could you have helped him, G? If he'd have wanted help, I figured you'd say that. Had some anger issues. Peter had a little bit of pent-up rage, wouldn't you say? I mean, his sword was ready. He cuts the dude. I mean, that's worse than Mike Tyson, people. He, Mike Tyson bit the dude. Peter cut it off. The only difference is, is Holyfield didn't know Jesus, so Jesus could put his ear back on. Jesus, in that moment, grabs the dude's old dusty, crusty ear and sticks it back on his head. Come on, Peter. So then Jesus is arrested, and they go into the city, and all the disciples start to scatter. This is before the cross. And then it comes time when Jesus said, Peter, before The rooster crows, you will deny me three times. In other words, you're going to say that you never knew me. You're going to reject me. Watch this. Sure enough, somebody comes, hey, you're one of those, you're one of those Jesus freaks, right? You're one of those Jesus, you're a Christian. You, oh, you go to church. Oh, no, not me. I don't know Jesus. You, You tripping. Three times. And I believe when Peter heard the rooster crow, I believe his life changed forever. I believe he realized in that moment, I failed. Even all my bold declarations couldn't make me do what I really wanted to do. I believe in his heart, he really didn't want to to deny God. I believe in his heart, he really didn't want to deny Jesus. He really didn't want to reject him. But for some reason, he did. It's because it was before the cross. And Peter leaves, and the Bible talks about how Peter goes back to what he used to be. He went back to his old lifestyle. His old ways. His old things. He went back. Why did he go back? Because he failed. Because he fell. He went back to his old life. In the meantime, the cross happens, and then the resurrection happens. By the way, 
while the cross is taking place, there's another guy on the cross with Jesus who realizes Jesus is the Messiah and says, hey, you, you remember me when you get to heaven? Jesus goes, bro, you saved right now. He is the luckiest guy in heaven, I'm telling you right now. When we get to heaven, we're going to see luck. They just named him Lucky. Everybody going to talk about Lucky. Man, Lucky's house is over there on the corner. That's Lucky. Right? He gets saved. Jesus dies, raises from the dead. He starts showing himself to the disciples. The first disciple Jesus asked for is Peter. We know Peter's life before the cross. We know about the cross. Now we're going to look at Peter's life after the cross. But before we do that, I want to share something with you from my heart about what happened when Peter left and went back to his old life. And then Jesus asked for him when he rose from the grave. Peter was rejected. He rejected Jesus, but in that moment, he was rejected himself. He rejected himself. He took himself out of the game. He was a failure. He, he messed up again. He blew it again. He went back to his old lifestyle. He went back to what he knew, where people would accept him for what he was, and he was just going to have to live with who he was. He went back to that, thinking it was all over, thinking it was finished, thinking Jesus doesn't love me. God must not love me. And Jesus comes out of the grave and he says, where's Peter? Somebody go find Peter, bring Peter to me now. This is important. And this is powerful. Jesus comes out of the grave and he asks for Peter. And he restores Peter. But watch this. Peter has a choice to make. Do I want to be restored or do I not? Peter could have said no. I mean, come on, you know how it was when you grew up. Daddy said you better get over here. I ain't going. Right? Peter could have said, no, man, you know what? It's too late, dude. I done, I'm tired of being called Satan. I'm tired of, I'm tired of cutting dudes' ears off. I, you know what? I, this, this whole Jesus thing ain't for me, bro. I'm done with all that. I can't, I can't live up to that thing no more. So you know what? I'm going to stay right here. And Peter could have stayed where he was. He could have stayed in his past. He could have stayed BC before the cross or before Christ. But Peter didn't. Jesus called his name. Jesus said, come back to me, Peter. Peter comes back. Let me show you how it happens. Peter's in a boat with some of his other buddies and they're, they're fishing. And all of a sudden there's somebody standing at the shore and, and somebody says, hey, watch this. Throw your nets on the right side and you'll catch more fish. And for some reason they listened and they threw their nets on the right side and they caught more fish than they could contain. And all of a sudden the light bulb went off in Peter's head. He goes, wait, this happened before. This happened before with a dude named Jesus. And he goes, that's Jesus. It's Jesus. Peter gets so overwhelmed. He doesn't help bring the fish in. He jumps in the water and he runs to Jesus. Watch this. And there's a meal prepared. Already cooking on the beach, baby. Fish for breakfast. I know. It's kind of weird, but it's it's all good. Fish for breakfast. I'm going to try it. On the beach, maybe. But there's a meal prepared. And Peter runs to Jesus. And I can tell you, the scripture doesn't say this, but I can tell you he gave the biggest hug of his life. And I can tell you this, that Jesus gave the biggest hug of his life. 
because he embraced the son that rejected him. He embraced the guy that fell flat on his face. He embraced the most ridiculous person in his family. He embraced him. Now watch this. And then they sat down and they had dinner together or breakfast. Revelations chapter three, verse 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, who's anyone? Anyone will open the door. I will come into him and I will dine with him. Watch this. Your relationship with Jesus isn't about the do's and don'ts. Your relationship with Jesus is about the dinner table. Your relationship with Jesus is about you sitting down across the table from him and eating something that's already been prepared and having communication and having a relationship with him. So forget about what you did wrong and enjoy the meal. Christianity is enjoying a good meal that God's prepared for you. Come on. It's enjoying the good meal that God's prepared for you. He wants you to enjoy the good life that he's given you. I'm not trying to scream. I'm just losing my voice. That's what he wants for you. He already knew Peter was going to deny him. He prophesied it to him in detail. And Jesus knew he was going to restore Peter. He just didn't know if Peter was going to be restored. Some of you this morning, you're locked down because of your past. You're locked down. You can't get away from your past for nothing. You've tried moving out the city and your past followed you there. You came back after time and and your past followed you there. And people still talk about the person you used to be. But let me tell you something. God's not talking about who you used to be. He's talking about who you're going to be. If you'll just listen to him and you'll let him set you free and restore you. He's talking about who you're going to be. He's telling heaven, you watch this one. You watch this one. When he gets it, oh man, you better watch this one. People won't forgive you, but God will. People won't, they won't forget what you've done, but God will. The only person that ever reminds you of your past is the devil. And if it's coming out in the form of somebody, they're just acting like the devil. And you know what? You tell them this. My preacher said to call you the devil. It kills me. When people step on people that have fallen down. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes. We all make bad decisions. Remember, we're being renewed. That means I'm not, I'm not complete yet. I'm a work in progress. Please give me some patience. That's what you're crying out to your family or to the people around you that, that won't forget your past. You're just saying, please give me a little bit of patience. Give me a little bit of time. Please don't run when I make the first mistake. I know a young man who's sitting in prison right now. And he was in my children's church years ago. Watch this. He was the best Bible memorizer I knew at the age of six. 
sweetest kid you'd ever want to meet. Jesus was flowing in and out of that boy's life drastically. And I watched him grow up. And something happened to him. He made a bad decision that led to another bad decision. In other words, he started to forget who he was. And that led to a bunch of bad things and he wound up in jail. And everybody was saying everything. They were saying stuff on Facebook because he got put in the news what he did. And, and he went to prison. Oh, he's a preacher's kid. Oh, what's wrong with the preachers? They can't raise their kids. Oh, the parents must have not done a good job. Blah, 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 blah. Worthless piece of beep. Just on and on and on and on. And there's an old man of God that I know called up his daddy he said put him on the phone he said son listen to me your call is greater than your fall your call is greater than your fall in other words God can take your fall and turn it around he can take your slip and turn it around He can take your bad decision and turn it around. That's why the scriptures say that God works all things to the good of those who love him. He can take your worst nightmare and turn it into your best testimony. If you let him. If you let him. Peter had a choice to make. Am I going to let God restore me? Am I going to have a life after the cross? Or am I going to stay where I'm at? Defeated. A failure. A loser. A piece of trash. Peter comes back. Jesus restores him. I want you to see this in chapter 26. A lot of things happen and Peter's in the middle of it. Chapter 26, Peter comes and he meets Jesus. Is it 26 or is it 27? 26. Peter meets Jesus. No, I'm sorry. That's John 21. Excuse me. In John 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter says, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Second time he asked him, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Watch this. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus restored him three times. You think he's not paying attention? Jesus said, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Who was Jesus trying to convince? Peter. But watch this. 
Not only did Jesus bring him back into the family, he handed him his ministry, his calling, his his purpose, his destiny. Watch this. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then feed my lambs. That's his ministry. In other words, take care of my people. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. Feed my people. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Take care of my sheep. What did Jesus do? He brought him back into the family and he gave him his ministry and he launched him. He didn't have to go through repentance. Ten days later, Peter's ministry begins. Jesus is not restoring you to sit you on the bench and then you got to earn your way in. He's restoring you because you got a story to tell. And there's thousands of people behind you that need to hear your story. They need to see your life. They need to hear what God did for you. You know why? Because they're knocked down. They're beaten. They're defeated. They're broken. They're not going to get up until you get up. How many people are waiting for you? How many? Jesus restores him. Then shortly after that, Jesus ascends into heaven. But let me back up a little bit. In that moment when Jesus revealed himself to the disciples, he comes back in a moment. He comes in. The Bible says that he walked through the wall. The disciples were in a building. Jesus comes into the wall, through the wall. And he says to his disciples, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit or receive the Holy Spirit. In that moment was when the disciples were saved. Previously, they were not saved. When Jesus walked through the wall and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came inside of them and they were saved. Are you getting this? They are now Christians. Then he says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Who's going to come? It's the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you and you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. So Jesus ascends. The disciples go to Jerusalem and they wait for 10 days. They're in a room waiting For the Holy Spirit to come. They have no clue what it is. All of a sudden, all the doors are locked. The Holy Spirit comes rushing in. The Bible describes it as a rushing mighty wind. Holy Spirit comes in. It says there's tongues of fire. In other words, there's different languages being spoken at the same time. The disciples get filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues. In other words, they begin to speak in other languages in this instant. And at the time in Jerusalem, there was a great festival going on. There was a lot of different countries and a lot of different languages there. And people began to hear something going on in their language. So out of curiosity, a crowd comes around. The disciples, I mean, it was was crazy. The disciples are there, and I mean, they're they're just like tongues of fire going on. I mean, it's it's wild. And people start showing up, and people start saying, man, these, these folks is drunk. I mean, think about that. Somebody, 120 people walking down 2nd Street over there by Cafe Mosaic saying a bunch of crazy stuff that you can't make sense. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. You're going, what are you thinking? Man, they got some good stuff early in the morning. Man, them cats start early. Peter, 10 days from being restored, stands up in that moment, led by the Holy Spirit. Watch this. He says, we are not drunk. And he begins to preach. He begins to preach Jesus to a crowd. 
Peter never preached before in his life. If Peter doesn't get restored, the crowd doesn't get saved. If Peter doesn't get restored, we never hear about Peter again. His life goes away. But Peter allowed Jesus to restore him and give him his ministry. And Peter comes up, he stands up and he preaches the gospel. The first sermon to the first church after Jesus leaves and 3,000 folks get saved. Get you some of that. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience. You never know what's on the other side of letting God restore you and bring you back into the family. You never know what's on the other side of laying your life down and submitting to his lordship and letting him run your life and you quit running it yourself. You never know until you do. You'll never know. I shared this last week. I don't want to get to heaven and have regrets. I don't want to get to heaven one day and go, I could have done that. You serious? I don't want to be in heaven like that. I want to get to heaven and they know my name. It's kind of like cheers. They know my name. I walk in big door. What's up? (laughs) That's Peter's after the cross. Even just the beginning. What's crazy is that Peter goes on to build the first church. He continues to preach. Watch this. Peter continues to preach. He's a man on fire now. In other words, there's nothing getting in his way. The Holy Spirit has come upon him. He has power from on high. In other words, baby, he plugged into the wall. He got some juice flowing through him now. And he's preaching the gospel and he's doing miracles and all these things. And all of a sudden he starts to get, he starts to get some slack. They start to chase him. They start to run him out of town. Watch this. Peter, before the cross, cut a dude's ear off when he came to arrest Jesus. After the cross, they threw him in jail and he was singing, not swinging. They put him in, they put him in jail. He's chained up to a bunch of stinky brothers and he's in there. Amazing grace. Had a little soul with it. And all of a sudden the chains fell off. That's different. Peter's different. When they stoned him, when they beat him, when they ridiculed him, he didn't lash back. Why? He didn't need to. Because he realized that every time they do something to me, I'm just going to get stirred up with more power and I'm going to do more things for God. Listen, the disciples counted it a privilege to be thrown in jail for Jesus. We get all nervous because they kick prayer out of school. I'm like, how in the heck they kick prayer out of school? Peter goes on to build the church. Peter has dreams and visions. Peter brings the gospel to the Gentiles. He breaks barriers. As a pastor, sometimes I I sit back and I look at you and I go, man, come on. Oh, just get it. And I want to, I want to do it for you. I want to go, just, just submit, just submit. I promise you it's going to be good. And let's just be honest. 
Sometimes I want to do that. Like, just get past your stupid drug addiction. Come on. I'm serious. Just get past your past. But I can't do that. I've tried. It doesn't work. You got to do it yourself. Amen. So Peter gets restored. He gets on fire. He begins to do incredible things for the kingdom. He builds the body of Christ. Never cuts another ear off. Never gets called Satan again. Never gets in trouble for saying something stupid. Wow. What made the difference? The cross. You see, the crazy thing about all the disciples is that not only, and this was my Bible study, not only did Jesus experience the cross, but those that loved him experienced the cross. They experienced the loss of Jesus going to the cross. They experienced the suffering. They experienced the confusion, thinking, man, he's the Messiah. Why doesn't he save himself? They had all those experiences. Every emotion probably ran through their bodies. They experienced the cross, but watch this. But they also experienced the resurrection. Look at what they had. They had the aha moment of going, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. When's the last time you had a moment like that? Where you just went, it's Jesus. Jesus and your heart's racing about to jump out of your chest. Jesus is here. When's the last time you had an aha moment with God? They experienced that. They watched him float up into heaven. Wow. They went to the room he told them to go to and, and they experienced the rushing mighty wind of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Listen, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to pray and ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you're missing out on the experience. You're missing out on the power. You don't know what life is like, I promise you, because I've been there before and I'm there after, baby. And I'd rather be there after than before. I was twisted up in my thinking, a young Baptist boy. I was scared to death of the Holy Spirit. As far as I'm concerned, they took it out of the Bible. I got in trouble for teaching children's church and teaching them about the Holy Spirit. I was scared to death of the Holy Spirit. Went to an encounter retreat, got filled with the Holy Spirit. I ain't ever been the same. I'm mad at my old Sunday school teachers for lying to me. But because of the Holy Spirit, I got over it. Because of the cross. Because of their experience. I want to ask you a question. Have you experienced Jesus? Have you experienced the cross? Is your life different on this side than it was on that side? Has something changed? It should be changing. Because if it's not changing, you're preaching to the people around you that God's not real and that God's not powerful and that God can't change nothing. But you know what? Some people are looking at you with your reputation all scratched up and bad and saying, you know what? If God can touch him, I'll tell you what, if God could, if God could turn T-Boy's life around, then I'll believe in God. 
And that dude's waiting for T-Bar to realize that God loves him enough to get out of his stuck condition and keep going. Amen? Let me give you some takeaways and I'm going to leave you alone. Six takeaways, six things I think you need, to, you need to take home with you. I want you to write them down. You can scratch on a piece of paper, a connect card or something. Takeaway, here we go. Number one, watch this. We all have a before. Don't ever think you're better than anybody else. We all have a before. Every one of us. Number two, don't let your before determine your after. Don't let your before determine your after. Number three, whether people forgive you or not, this is so powerful. Forgive yourself and keep moving. Keep moving. So what if people don't forgive you? Forgive yourself and keep moving. Number four, set your eyes on what God has planned for you and don't look back. Put your eyes on Jesus. And I ain't trying to be a church cliche. Put your eyes on Jesus and don't look back. Let me show you what that looks like. If you got an addiction or if you're struggling, you're constantly falling. You just, you got to go, I'm putting my eyes on Jesus. I'm following him. I'm coming after this. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I'm just, I'm trucking, baby. I'm just keeping on, keeping on. I'm going every day, every day, every day. I'm going. One day you're going to turn around and go, Meshach, we covered some ground. Meshach, we growed up. Set your eyes on the plans God has for you and don't look back. Number five, don't limit God. Don't limit what God has planned for you. I dare you to pray and say, God, whatever you got planned for me, let's do it. I dare you and see what happens. Number six, this one's really important. Build a legacy or a platform for your children to launch from. Your children need to launch from your after and not your before. Don't you dare leave your kids with your struggles. Don't you dare leave your kids with generational curses. Don't you dare Leave them with what you were afraid to address. Don't you dare leave them what you were unwilling to trust God with. Don't do it. If you'll just lay whatever it is in front of you down, a generational curse, a struggle, an addiction, if you'll lay it down and trust Jesus with it, he'll break it off of you. And watch this. Then he's going to give you this platform. And then your kids are going to come, and they're not going to take off from down here. They're not going to go from your struggles. They're not going to go from your addictions. They're not going to go from your failures. They're going to go from your victory. And they're going to get launched. I want my kids to take off where I leave off. I don't want them to face my addictions. I don't want them to face my struggles and my sin. I'll let them see it. I don't want to pass down generational curses. I want to pass down generational blessings. 
Curses last for four generations. Blessings last for how long? Thousands of generations. You know what that says to me? You know the picture I get in my mind? My great-grandkids, grandkids. Going to be sitting up there at a Thanksgiving holiday one time because they're going to like each other. And they're going to say, hey, you ever heard the story of Papa Jamie? Yeah, the bald-headed one. Because that curse is broken too. Man, you know, I, I, I heard my, my mama said he was a bouncer in the clubs. My papa said that brother could cuss. Man, they said he used to drink a lot of beer and do them drugs. But, but they said he met Jesus. Man, Papa was mighty. You know, he, he gave up everything to pastor a church. God used him to build his church in Eunice, Louisiana. Yeah, Messiah, Eunice. God built the church in Eunice. Papa was the one. That's what I want him to say. I want to be a hero in their sight, not a zero. Some of you look at your, your ancestors, and you go, man, it was zeros. I don't want to be that. I want to give my kids a platform, a solid foundation to launch from. Amen. Can you stand up with me this morning? So what do we do? Pastor, that was a good message, but what do we do? I think we start by laying our lives down and submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you know what that means? That means that you just simply say to God, Lord, I wrecked this thing. Lord, I've been lapping this same mountain for years and I'm tired. I'm tired, Lord. I've messed this whole thing up. I can't do it no more. Will you help me? Will you come and drive? Will you come and be the king and the Lord of my life? And you surrender to his lordship. Doesn't matter what your past is. What's important is your future. And it starts with submitting to his lordship. But let me give you a little secret. That doesn't happen one time. That happens every day. Every day. Look at me. Every day. I got to submit myself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Every day. I got to decide to let him drive. Every day. I got to trust him with what I can't control. Sometimes multiple times during the day. It's submitting to the lordship of Jesus, saying, Lord, I surrender. You're better than I am. Would you come? It's just inviting him in, saying, Lord, come. Be the Lord of my life. Help me. I surrender. I'm done. That's where we start. That's where you start, but that's not where you stay.
You start there. And you know what happens? You know what God, you know what God does when you do that? His ears go up. He says, hey. Got one over here. You know what he does? He comes by his Holy Spirit and he breathes on your life. And the Bible says that in your weakness, he's made strong. That means he just joins your team and he's going to come alongside of you. And when you're weak and when you're tempted and when you're about to fall on your face, his strength is made strong in your weakness. And he breathes upon your life. And that just happens every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. And you fall. Because you're going to fall, you fall. You get back up every day. I surrender. And then you look back one day. And all your old cronies. All your old partying animal buddies. In fact, even the people that said you wouldn't amount to nothing are back there doing this. They're following you. They go, man, there's something about that dude. I never thought. This, mu- this is what they're going to say. This must be God. This must be God. I know him. I know her. This must be God. And your life is going to be like a vacuum truck. It's going to suck people into the kingdom of heaven. It's going to create a vacuum where people are going to go, I never thought they would amount to anything. I never thought they would have control of their life. I never thought they would break that addiction. I never thought they would be victorious. It must be God. I'm telling you, some of you in this room right now, if you'll just get this right, if you'll just shift your thinking, if you'll just go for it, droves of people are going to come to Christ. Some of the craziest people in town, all the people that that people said would never, they'll never. Those are the people God's putting an ever on. He's going, oh yeah, you say they never going to make it? Watch this. I'm going to touch this boy's life and he's going to bring every one of them in. You never know. I dare you to try it.